Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We will go that far. I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you, and 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 all of you, He'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The day of Christ Jesus. What is that? We'll talk about that for just a moment. So God came into the world in the person of Jesus. And then Jesus did his thing, which is my summary of his birth, life, death, and resurrection. <laughs> right? if, we, if I were to expand on that, it would be pages and pages and pages and pages. Just read the Gospels. He did his thing. Then he ascended into heaven. In the meantime, God has sent his spirit, and God is busy at work in the world, making all things new, putting things back together again. And one day, Jesus will come again and finish the project, make heaven and earth one again. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, so are we clear? So we're kind of in the in-between time. We're waiting. We're hoping, we're preparing. I don't know how it works in your homes, but in my home, we always seem to have one or two or five or 10 or 15 things, projects that we've started, but for some reason, they're just not done yet. They're unfinished. They're unfinished projects. Do you, do you all have this experience in your homes or are we the only ones? Yeah, okay, good. At the bottom of our stairs, our basement stairs, there's this area. It's kind, of, it's kind of a weird area at the bottom of our stairs going down to our basement. And for years, we've been trying to convert this little space into, into sort of a home office space or a space where our, our kids can do their homework or, or they can do some art projects if we want to. So we've started this. We've got a nice desk there. We've got something hung on the wall. It's like a shelf for supplies. Uh, for, for a while, we had this thing that we purchased from Ikea, and it was uh, designed to be hung on the wall and hold office supplies. Well, it sat on the desk for months and months and months and months. Was it over a year? I think it was over a year. It just sat there, because, mostly because that thing was going to be a bear to hang up, because anything you buy from Ikea is a bear to hang up. Am I right? So... 
We finally got rid of that thing, and now Renee is making another thing that's going to be much cooler and much easier, plus it's homemade. It's going to be easier to hang on the wall. So we're going to finish, I hope, but it's not finished. It's an unfinished project. This summer, we moved Samuel out of the room that he shared with Caleb into his own room, and we painted the walls and hung stuff up on the walls, and we finished that project, and it's awesome. It's great, and he loves it, but the other room that he moved out of We have yet to finish. We have yet to paint the walls. And every time I walk into that room, it's like those walls are standing over me in judgment. (laughs) Like they're reminding me, like, I got some ambition to get things started, but my follow-through is a little questionable. It's like I walk into the room and I can hear the walls whispering, don't you care about us? You painted that other room. (laughs) Unfinished projects. Do you have unfinished projects around your house? Yeah, unfinished projects, like you started them, but for whatever reason, they're left undone. Oh, it's one thing to acknowledge and recognize that we have unfinished projects around our homes. It's another thing. It's a whole different thing to recognize how unfinished we are as people, like how far we are from being the kind of people that God really wants us to be. Have you ever felt like an unfinished project, like hopes, you've got hopes and dreams for yourself. You've got plans and goals, like, but they're sort of just left unrealized. Like if you're not there now, you have been and you will be again. Paul knows what it's like to feel like an unfinished project. Oh, just read, read through his letters to, to these different churches that he planted. Paul knows what it's like to feel like an unfinished project. In fact, at this point, he's writing from prison. He's in chains. He's in prison. He's not writing this letter from a a comfy, cozy spot on his couch in the living room. No, he's in chains. He's in prison, a cold, dark, damp prison. He's there for confirming and defending the gospel. He's there for planting churches. And before he landed in his prison cell, he was beaten. He was flogged. He was stoned. He knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to be in pain. He knows what it's like to fail. He knows what it's like to not do things the way he'd like to do them. Just read through his letters. And you'll see a a humble man who will tell you that he knows the right thing to do, wants to do the right thing, but doesn't always do the right thing. He knows what it's like to be an unfinished person. And he knows that that the Jesus people in Philippi, he knows that they know what it's like to feel like unfinished people. What it's like to have hopes and dreams and plans and goals for your life just go unrealized. He knows that life isn't easy. Nope. Not for these people living in this small city filled with Greeks and Romans. Listen to this. In first century, in first century Roman, in this colony, you risk being flogged and thrown in jail if you refused to worship the emperor, if you refused emperor worship, if you declared that Jesus is Lord instead of Caesar is Lord. You would be considered an enemy of the state, a domestic terrorist, a threat to the empire, a disturber of the peace. So Paul certainly would have understood that the threat of brutal beatings by imperial police followed by imprisonment would have caused a wee bit of panic in this little church in Philippi. He would have understood 
that these people struggled hard trying to navigate what it means to follow Jesus, to live the kind of life that he taught us to live, how to do those things in a culture that doesn't and often demands the opposite. They felt like unfinished projects. Mm, we all, we're all unfinished projects if we're, if we're honest with ourselves. And we all struggle with things like greed, lust, anger. Boy, that list could go on and on and on. We often, we often fail the people we love the most and care for the most. And we often care too little for the people in this world who are struggling the most. We're impatient, we judge, we accuse, we condemn, relationships fall apart. Many of us have destructive patterns of behavior, some of them small, some of them really large that we just can't get past even though we're trying so hard. Many of us have destructive patterns of thought, some of them little, some of them large, that we just can't get past. Many of us are afraid to ask for help. Many of us are afraid to even admit that maybe we need help. Unfinished projects, yep, that's us. Got you depressed enough? Okay, here's the deal. If we're unfinished, that's got to mean that we're headed somewhere, though, right? If we're unfinished, that means there has to be a finished out there. That means there has to be like, a, like, like some sort of wholeness that we're moving towards, heading towards. There's a goal out there, right? Well, what does that look like? Well, I think if we're paying attention to what, to what Scripture says, I think that looks a lot like Jesus. Because Jesus shows us what God looks like, but Jesus also shows us what it really looks like to be a human being, becoming more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's where we're headed. That's what we want, right? Becoming more like Jesus. But when you think about that, it's like, well, that sounds a lot like perfection because we, we talk about how Jesus is perfect. Perfection? Wait a minute. That's the goal? What? Oh, boy. Listen to this. I read that John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist Church, when he would ordain and commission new, new preachers, new, new pastors, uh, he, would ask them, he would ask them two very important questions. Uh, I don't want you to listen to these. Here's the, fir here's the first question. I want to get it right. Are you going on to perfection? Are you going on to perfection? Are you? Like if people are going to ask us that question, we would step back and say, come on, man, nobody's perfect. Right? But the expected answer was this. I am, by the grace of God, going on to perfection. I am, by the grace of God. Now this next question even makes it a little more, whoa, he would ask this, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Not someday later when we get to heaven. Do you expect to be made perfect 
in love in this life? And the expected answer was, God willing, I do. Whoa. And even two centuries later, when Methodist pastors are ordained and commissioned, they're still asked those two questions and they're still expected to answer them in the same way. Some scholars who study the life of John Wesley believe that he believed that a person could love God so much and could love neighbor so well, including enemies, and could love him or herself so well that they could be so full of love that they would not knowingly sin. Like there are always other kinds of sins, unknowing, but that someone could love God, neighbor, and self so perfectly that they would not knowingly sin. Now, I don't know what to think about that, but I do know that those two questions are really interesting questions. Are you going on to perfection? Do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Listen to what the author of Hebrews wrote. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings of Christ and go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance and faith. Now, that's not a suggestion that we abandon the, 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 the foundational beliefs of and about Jesus and grab onto something else. No, it's saying that if we're spending all of our time on just those basics, the basic things, and never move beyond it, then we're not moving in the direction we need to move. We're not moving on to perfection. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect therefore as your Father, your heavenly Father, is perfect. Perfection, becoming like Jesus, we talk about it all the time. That seems like a lofty thing, doesn't it? Like that seems like it's so far out of reach. Like when we read the stories about Jesus in the Bible and we look at how he lived his life, we might think to ourselves, oh my goodness, that amount of love? Like I have to become that gracious? I have to become... I have to become a person who extends that kind of forgiveness to people who certainly don't deserve it, that kind of, even to the point where I will forgive and love my enemies. I have to become the kind of person whose life is defined by reaching out and loving and including and embracing those who are on the margins of society, those people who've been left out and pushed aside. I have to really become that kind of loving. We're all so unfinished. Maybe you're feeling like, oh my goodness, that's, this is, you're defeating me this morning, Aaron. I have to become that kind of person. Maybe you're feeling like that's so far out there that how in the world will you ever get there in this life? If that's how you're feeling right now, then this is what I want to say to you. It's okay. It's okay. Where you are right now, right here in this moment, is right where you need to be. It's okay. Why? I'll tell you why. 
because you belong to Jesus. You're an unfinished project. Yeah, so am I. We all are. But we're Jesus' project. And Jesus isn't done with us yet. No matter what it is you've done, no matter what it is that's inside of you, no matter the things that have been done to you, you belong to Jesus. And Jesus isn't done with you yet. God wants to renovate. God wants to God wants to restore. God wants to renew. God wants to transform. You belong to Jesus. He's not done with you yet. Let me tell you some of the things that he wants to do with you. This is what he wants to do. He wants to make your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He wants you to be able to discern what is best. He wants you to be pure and blameless. He wants you to have inside of you the fruits of righteousness, which will undoubtedly bear fruit out there in the world. And I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you and you and you and you and all of you, you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah, you're an unfinished project. We all are. But we're Jesus's project, and he's not done with us yet. So expect growth. Expect it. Expect change. Expect change. We don't like change. Expect it. Expect transformation. In fact, more than that, ask for it. Pray about it. Ask that God would change, mold, transform you. Ask that God would make you more like Jesus, move you on towards perfection, and then work with God to actually make it a reality. You'll be an unfinished project until the day of Christ Jesus when Jesus comes and makes all things new. The world is headed towards something so good and so beautiful. We can hardly imagine it. And guess what? You're headed there too. Mm, God's not done. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote about this idea of going on to perfection. Uh, he, said that, he said that when we ask, God's, we ask for God's help in becoming the person that God wants us to be, that Jesus doesn't just settle for a little bit of change. Uh, and then he starts writing, C.S. Lewis starts writing about his teeth. He gives us this illustration about his teeth. He, he wrote that as a child, he often had a toothache. And he knew that if he told his mom, she would give him aspirin in order to deaden the pain for the night. But he would wait to tell his mom until the pain was totally and completely unbearable, really, really bad, because he knew that she would then take him to the dentist the next day, and he didn't want that. He just wanted immediate relief from the pain. But he also knew that he couldn't get full relief from his pain without having his whole mouth, his whole, all of his teeth set right. And even as a kid, he knew dentists. He knew that they would start fiddling around with all sorts of other teeth that hadn't yet begun to hurt so that it could then make his whole mouth right. He knew that if you gave a dentist an inch, they'd take your whole mouth. Anybody who's ever had braces, understands what that's about. 
Like you got teeth that don't hurt and suddenly they all hurt. <laughs> he went on to say that Jesus is like a dentist. <laughs> no! Jesus is like a dentist. If we ask him to help with, with something about which we are ashamed or which is sort of wrecking our lives, he will give that help but he won't stop there. He says he wants to make us perfect. And then he imagines Jesus saying this, make no mistake, if you let me, I'll make you perfect. I'll never rest until you're literally perfect. Until my father can say without reservation that he is well pleased with you as he is well pleased with me. If you give Jesus an inch, he'll take the whole thing. Are you willing to give Jesus an inch this morning? We're unfinished projects. And recognizing that reality is a really good thing. In fact, it, it might be the first or one of the first steps in becoming more like Jesus, in this moving on toward perfection thing. It ought to help us with all sorts of different things. Recognizing that we are unfinished, it ought to help us just to first be okay with where we are, but not be okay with where we are. To, to be okay with where we are because we're unfinished and to maybe not chastise ourselves as often as we do or let ourselves be weighed down by, by guilt that prevents us from moving forward. It ought to help us be okay with where we are, but not be okay with where we are. Are you with me? It ought to, it ought to help us live with a little humility, too, recognizing that we just aren't all that God intends us to be. And a good dose of humility in our lives is always a good thing, because we recognize that there are other people out there who are farther along down the road and who might know a little bit more than we do and have experienced more than we do. And if we listen and we let our humility make us open enough, we might learn a thing or two. It ought to help us also beware of certainty. Here's the deal. We don't know everything. Do we? No. We don't know everything. Like we have a lot to learn. And the unfinished nature of our knowledge means that our opinions on things aren't the last word. Some of our ideas about how the world works and about how we ought to be in the world are bound to change. They're bound to change. Think of it, you thought about the world and how things ought to be in the world and how you ought to be in the world a whole lot differently one, five, ten, fifteen, some of us fifty years ago. They've changed. Why? Because you've grown. Because your knowledge about the world and life and relationships has grown. You've grown in your capacity to love and give and be generous. And so our opinions, we ought to be aware. Beware of certainty. 
I think we all ought to get better at saying things like this. I think this now, but I could be wrong. I think this ought to be the way that we are in the world. I think that now, but I could be wrong about that. I'm open to learning. I'm open to listening. It ought to also help us grow in love as we recognize that everybody else is unfinished too. And one of the ways we grow most intensely is through love. Loving people who are as imperfect as we are. But maybe most of all, recognizing our unfinished state ought to give us some hope because we're not done yet. God's still at work. You're unfinished, but there's a finished out there. And God's on our side, and we're heading there. And perhaps this morning, you've, as I've been talking, perhaps you've been thinking of some things in your life where you're like, yeah, that's a little unfinished. <laughs> yep, it's not quite the way it's not the way I want to be. It's not who I want to be. I'm struggling with this. I'm having a hard time with this. The way I parent my kids this way really sort of bristles against the way I want to be able to parent my kids. If, if you're thinking of things like that, ask God for help. Give God help an inch. Allow him to take the whole thing. And recognize that you're a part of a community here full of people who are trying to do the same thing. Recognize that you're not in this alone. That you've got people. You've got people. So tell somebody about it. Ask a friend. Lean on somebody else. Make a plan. Talk about steps you're going to take to become more like Jesus. Be specific about it. Ask somebody else to ask you about it from time to time. And you might be surprised at the kind of influence somebody else can have in your life. And I'm confident in this. He who began a good work in you oh, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, uh, for however it is that your spirit does what you do, spirit. You, you, move, you move in our hearts during this time where we pay attention to your presence we listen to the things that scriptures have to say. And we ask, oh God, that, that you would give us courage enough to ask for the kind of help that we need to ask for, to lean on people, to trust in you, to actually ask you to change us and mold us and make us new and transform us, to make us more like Jesus. Point those things out so that we can move forward and take a step in becoming more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.